All right, welcome everyone to the first episode of the podcast for Forever Dynasty. This is Steve. Uh, you all may know me as Maharg, and I'm here tonight with my co-host, but the commissioner of Forever Dynasty, our fearless leader, Zach. Zach, how are you tonight? I'm good, man. That was the first time I've ever heard Maharg said in like <laughs> audio. I've always read it and like, is it pronounced Maharg? I'm not really sure. I so. had to think earlier whether it's Maharg or Maharg, and I had no <laughs> clue. I figured, let me just go with something and see what comes out. So sure. now we all know. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, dude, thank you so much for, for leading this up and uh, helping put this together. Uh, this has been... I mean, no question for me, one of my favorite leagues by far. So, uh, you know, just fun little things like this, I think, is going to add to the league. So thank you. Yeah, no, I think what separates this league for me, and look, this is actually my first Dynasty League. Uh, now I'm in more than more than I'm allowed to tell my wife. But I can say <laughs> what separates this league for me, making it one of the best, is just that I think everyone really gets along. And you could see in the chats, I mean, way too many leagues that I'm in, it is just, you know, too much drama and complaints and and it's so rare that we get that in this league so i'm really looking forward to doing this with you i think it'll be something to add value to the league and i think everybody will have a lot of fun with it yeah man absolutely and i think part of that uh foundation of the league being that way is just you know when i was recruiting people to start this league i went to the fantasy footballers forum and so you know they they've always advertised you know oh you can get the best league mates there blah 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 <laughs> but like you know, it's been pretty true. Like, um, we still got 10 guys from that forum in the league. And, uh, uh, yeah. It, is, is this where you're going to announce that they're a sponsor? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I, I think we have a, a total of zero listens so far. So I don't know uh, how much they're paying us at this point. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> One day. So, Zach, I thought maybe, you know, we'll start. Why don't you tell me a little about, tell us all a little bit about yourself and kind of, you know, your involvement in fantasy football, what got you to start this league, um, and then I'll do the same. And then while we, you know, if we do have more of these, if this is successful, you know, we'll definitely invite guest hosts and um, have everyone else do the same. So, Yeah, man, that would be great. And uh, so, you know, I, I've been doing fantasy football since I learned that you could go to ESPN.com in seventh grade computer lab. And, uh, you know, I, I, I drafted my first team and I remember I drafted Tom Brady with like my first pick. I didn't know anything. So I took the quarterback in the first round. Uh, but again, 2007, <laughs> Tom Brady, <laughs> that was a great, great decision for me because that was the year he had 50 touchdowns and won the MVP. Uh, but no, I, you know, this is something that I've really wanted to put together a quality dynasty league. For a while i've been a part of two others one that people just really didn't care too much about and then another one that was really 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 cutthroat but with not very much action like not a lot of transactions and so uh it, you know it sometimes is hard to i love this league because you know there's always action there's always trading well except for like the last two, two weeks <laughs> it's got a little quiet but uh yeah I man Tim brady tonight i tried to get a trade done but well, i would I was I sent out probably five offers, including four first round picks in the last 24 hours. And no one even countered me. People are not trying to sell at this point. 
Well, my offer to Tim Brady was a fourth for uh, Hollywood Brown. So <laughs> hey, man, I'm trying to I'm trying to get over those nightmares. So <laughs> don't worry, we can rehash them uh, whenever you want. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So yeah, no. So I've been uh, look. I've been involved with fantasy football off and on also since high school. I remember very clearly my uh, we had a sports marketing class and we were all supposed to do a, a league together. And we all, you know, it was a, a class where you're by the computers and the, we had the league set up to draft on Yahoo at like 1.30 and the teacher decided to keep going and going and we didn't get to the computers to 1.35 and we had an auto draft and it kind of just ruined my first fantasy football league, but mm-hmm. it's all been pretty good since then. I've been involved in a keeper league since 2009, the wow. same group of people. We've had one person switch, um, a couple friends from high school. I've gotten to know some group people, but about two years ago or about Yes, a year and a half ago, I decided to kind of venture out into Dynasty. And that's when I found your league. Um, and it was a great experience. And I did a couple more during the pandemic. And it's just gotten to become a, a, a very, I don't know when, I don't know whether we're gonna, we'll call it a good habit or a bad habit, but it's been something I've really gotten <laughs> into over the last year and a half. So this has been great. I've enjoyed it. And I have to say, I didn't know this much about football or about anything that I know about football now. So it's probably a lot of useless knowledge, but it's been great. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think to me, the best part of fantasy football is one that, you know, you can stay a little closer to people that you otherwise just wouldn't. And then number two is like the Monday night game that you don't give one rip about, you know, decides your fantasy week. And so now you care. And so it, it just is it has added so much entertainment and and just kind of community for me. So I I can't get enough of it. Uh I need to stop joining leagues. Uh, it's 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 getting out of hand, uh, but it's a lot of fun. So, yeah, no, I hear you. I mean, I never watch as much football in the last you know last year that I've ever watched. Probably in the four or five years combined before that. Exactly. Um, I got the Red Zone Channel. I watched every Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night. Last year, I watched Wednesday afternoon, <laughs> Thursday afternoon, pretty much everything <laughs> in between because that was a weird scenario, but. Um, I, I mean, it just makes the game so much better to actually feel like you have some type of investment in the third running back on the Seattle Seahawks. Exactly. So, I mean, that's that's what makes this game great. So, all right. So I, I think next up, what I want to do is before we kind of go into the main gist of this conversation, I have here a league recap. So I want to just spend 60 seconds or so just kind of highlighting some of the items that we've had over the last year. Great. All right, so, and please don't time me because it could be a little bit more. But <laughs> so we started this league actually pre-pandemic, which I found fascinating. This was like about two weeks before the shutdowns. So if you want to think about how long we've all been doing this league together, think about the last time you've been somewhere without hearing the word Corona. Yeah. Um, Junkyard started us off in the 101 with CMC. We followed off with Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Elliott, and Barkley. And I, I took a look back at the, the uh, draft tonight and I think in a future pod, we should revisit the startup draft because it was really fascinating to see. Um, unfortunately, though, for Junkyard and Shutterball and Dingling, they all have pretty disappointing years with less than three wins each. Maharg, me, Kirk, Megabyte, and NGC all fought for the last spot in the playoffs, the sixth spot. We were all within one win of each other. Somehow, I won that because of one Marquise Brown pass, which uh, you know all about, Zach. <laughs> I know all about it. So somehow, to the shock of anyone who looks at my roster, I am a playoff caliber team. 
Um, I just want to highlight that because the rest of this podcast will say nothing positive about me. <laughs> now that I get that out of the way, Junkyard actually won the toilet bowl, beating Shutterball in the last round. But there was no disbursement draft, which may say something about Junkyard's team, but I also don't want to go into that. <laughs> but we'll talk more about the disbursement draft later. Um, Zach, Junkyard's already getting bodied. <laughs> sorry, Junkyard. Uh, <laughs> Zach did finally beat me, though, in the playoffs after going 0-2 in the regular season in the first round. Stevie Wonder also got to the next round of the playoffs after beating DeMoose. Semifinals might have been the most interesting round. D91, who was on a bye, beat Zach by less than two points in a really close matchup. On the other side of the bracket, Tim Brady beat Stevie Wonder. Um, by almost 100 points, so completely different matchups, which set up an incredible finals in which Alvin Kamara scored 56.2 points. But believe it or not, D91 still lost to to Tim Brady, score of 212.66 to 201.8. To have two scores over 200, that is what makes a finals. It was one of the most epic games that I've ever seen, and I wasn't even part of it from fantasy football. It was so much fun to watch that, you know, competition on my phone over that last weekend. Dude, um, no, no question. And just really quick. So, you know, when you see Alvin Kamara go off the way he went off, you're like, okay, it's over. The championship is done. Except it was absolutely <laughs> not done until like the last game. And you know what? Losing by two points in the semifinals sucked and it sucked a lot. But seeing those guys just absolutely throw haymakers in the finals made me feel a little bit better about getting bounced in the semis. Yeah, no, you can't complain because, I mean, you would have lost Tim Brady anyway. So, <laughs> uh, would have lost to either of them. I, exactly. They could have benched their best player and I still would have lost to him. So. <laughs> That's true. So we ended up having a great rookie draft. It was actually probably the most entertaining rookie draft I've ever seen in terms of the number of trades and kind of the excitement of it. We did lose two players, um, but we did get two new ones. And Cody and Troutman came in and both were incredibly active and kind of really shook the league up in in a really good way. So we've had a really exciting year. And I think that was kind of a good segue into kind of talking about what we have up next. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So why don't we um, talk about the disbursement draft really quick, and then we'll get into some trades. Uh, So when I created the disbursement draft idea, I had never played in a league with it. Um, I just really wanted a way, a creative way and a fun way and a little bit of a nerve-wracking way to deter tanking and yet reward a team that maybe just really went all in and are they're genuinely trying to win every single game they can but maybe you burn your team out because you're really just going for it all i want to give them a little extra incentive because you know usually the idea is you never want to trade for the older players in dynasty well like you've got you've got you know a safety net here if you if you go all in and you really crash and burn uh, I just think it it allows teams to um, like. There's really not a lot of teams, maybe other than yours, but that are, <laughs> are are actively not trying to win games. And I don't think you're necessarily trying to lose games 
hey, I traded for a Drew Locke, a Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. So I, would, I would like to have at least some competition. <laughs> right. It's just that the reality of your roster, at least at this moment, is it's not going to be competitive. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But um, so for me, because I knew I was going to uh, be a more all-in team last year, I personally didn't really factor in the disbursement draft because I figured there was almost no odds that I would be stuck, you know, I would lose in the toilet bowl and I would, you know, be forced in. I just really didn't think that that was possible for my roster. Um, you obviously have had to have thought this through <laughs> because of the way that, you know, you've gone all in on youth and draft picks. So how did that work out? What was your mindset and, and what are your thoughts on it? So I, I like the disbursement draft. I have a couple of thoughts about it. The, the first thing, and I think the, the most important one here is I think it adds a lot of fun to the league. And I think if we were talking about a $500 league, I may feel a little bit differently. But the idea here is this is supposed to be fun. And I think it really adds something in terms of, you know, look, if I get in it, I get in it, right? Well, what's the worst that happens? It would be another fun draft to do. At the end of the day, the more drafts, the more selections, the more nuances in the league, that, that's really what I'm looking for from an entertainment value. So first and foremost, that, that's the primary item I have in terms of looking at this. In, in terms of how it affected strategy, you know, there, there's a couple thoughts I have with that. Um, last year, my team wasn't as youthful. It had some older pieces and it had some um, pieces that I thought didn't have long lifespans and I didn't have a lot of draft picks. These were all picked up recently. So looking at this last year, um, I actually looked at the disbursement draft as an opportunity. I was kind of hoping um, that there was, I had two teams picked out where if they, both of those teams were in the uh, toilet bowl. If they made it into the disbursement draft, I was going to go in because I really liked these teams and sure. they had a chance for it. Yeah. Um, now that I'm on the other side, <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the other side of the bracket, you know, I, it does play a little bit. So, for example, I mentioned before that I traded for Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. I needed to make sure I had a second starting a second quarterback um, and getting both ends of that incredible dynamic Denver Broncos quarterback room. Um, you know, that's going to at least make sure that I have a fighting chance. Um, it absolutely, you know, in terms of me trading for Darnell Henderson, I, I needed to make sure I have a live body at the running back position. If that wasn't the case, there's no way I make any of those trades. Sure. So I, I think, you know, in terms of strategy, I'm going at this from you need to stay competitive. You have to make sure that when you get to those to the toilet bowl and you're in those final three weeks, that you got at least a 25, 30 percent chance each week to win. Because if you have a 30 percent chance each week, you're looking at, um, you know, still like a 70 percent chance you win one of those three games collectively. Um, sure. Exactly. So I, I think that's basically it. The other thing I'll put in there is it, it doesn't necessarily mean if you get into the disbursement draft, it's a bad thing. Because depending on, and without saying anything negative at any of my teammates or our league mates, you know, there's a good chance if, you're, if you think you're a good drafter, you can come out ahead of the game. Um, you, know, you hope the team that you get mixed in with is a team that also has young players and draft picks. So you're not mixing yourself with an older team. Um, but... I kind of looked at it as an opportunity, assuming the team's about equal, which we're both, you know, they're jumping in. It could be a way to improve yourself, too. 
yeah, I mean, if you outdraft the person that jumps in with you, then absolutely you could potentially improve if, you know, the two rosters and picks and everything that gets dumped in there, uh, if they're reasonably equal, you absolutely could walk away with an improvement. And so uh, it could One also be... Is. One of the teams is going to be improved. Right. No, yeah, no question. Well, yeah, I guess I guess it could every like great player could miss, but I guess there probably won't be a lot of great players in the disbursement <laughs> draft. So um, it, I think it would be so fascinating to see there's two, three, four people in the disbursement draft. Does like one person just take every first round pick until, you know, and like just completely forsake players I would, ju- I would just love to see the dynamic of that because you could have players like in your situation where, you know, you've got a ton of youth, but a ton of picks and, you know, you're pseudo trading those picks for more win now players because you're just out drafting everyone or, you know, like there's just a way here that you could overhaul your team for the positive. Um, so I'm not really scared of it. Obviously I wasn't going to jump in because I felt that my roster and assets were, you know, better than, than junkyards. And, and so I didn't jump in, but if, if it was close, like if, if there was a roster that I thought was 90% as valuable as mine, I'd probably jump in. Uh, I, I, I agree. And I think it'd be kind of fun and I'd feel the same way. I think you hit on something before that I think might get interesting. You know, we're looking at this from a, at least the way I've been thinking about this is from a, a two-team perspective. But what would be really interesting is if a really talented team somehow gets stuck in the disbursement draft, right? They, they don't make the playoffs. They have a really bad three weeks. There's an injury. Could you see a situation where you start to say, okay, there's a really good team in the disbursement draft. Somebody jumps in. Well, now could you see a second team jumping in? Could you see a third team jumping in? I mean, you could really see this depending on what teams are stuck in there. Um, a lot of people could jump into this. And, and I think that could be a really interesting situation. Obviously, the, the league winner isn't going to. Um, but you could see a number of teams in this all at once. And I think that could be pretty fun. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one idea that I had for a rule specific to the disbursement draft, which is not included and is not a current rule and not something I plan to propose this year but uh if multiple teams got in the disbursement draft you know let's just say two specifically uh if they had you know once you pooled all of the assets if you could divvy up their own draft picks like like if i'm in zachary rogers 814's 2022 first round pick if you jump in and you and then in this pool of assets is your 2022 first round pick it would just auto assign them to our rosters interesting okay. it's just a thought that i've had and and it, it would help you know kind of return some of your own assets which you know having your own first when you have an unclear future is super important i can um, talk about that <laughs> so i yeah obviously so um yeah do you want to maybe jump into some of these trades that you thought were noteworthy sure yeah so Zach and I have a bunch of trades up here that we can kind of flip through. I think some of these will be really interesting to talk to. The first one, and these are just a bunch of trades, and Zach, I think you picked out two of these to talk about, but Patrick Mahomes, for some reason in this offseason, got traded around, and one of those (laughs) trades is between the two of us. 
which just kept getting traded. And he's probably, I think it's safe to say, easy to say, he's the most valuable asset in any Superflex league. Um, but Patrick Mahomes was traded around, which I think says a lot about the quality of his league. But we picked out two different trades involving pa- Patrick Mahomes to talk about. First one was a trade between, actually, the, we'll give you reverse order. Um, first one actually was a trade, I'll do this one, between Kirkaholic and myself. Um, this was right um, around before the draft. This is in March 1st, so substantially before the draft. Uh, Kirk traded. This is to Kirk from Maharik. Pat Mahomes, Brandon Ayuk, and Brian Edwards. So I got rid of those three players. In return, I'm going to try to say all this correctly. <laughs> I got. Let's just say it is one, two, three, four first-round picks, one, two, three, four, five second-round picks, and then that ever-important third, <laughs> which was a late third round in 2021. Um, yeah. the, the picks in 2021 in terms of the first round – there was a two, I think a two ten. I'm sorry, a one ten, a one oh six, um, and then the one twelve. So, Zach, I'd love to get your opinions on this to start with because I was in this trade. I know what I was thinking. You know, what do you think in terms of the value of this trade? I mean, obviously, to have the biggest asset on one side and then no player that's ever played in the NFL on the other. Yeah, you know, when I first saw this trade, I was like, holy crap, league shifting trade. Because, you know, Kirk was, I mean, look at all the picks that he gave up. He clearly was not all in trying to contend, which he sort of is. Like, draft picks, you know, it would show you he doesn't really have any draft picks left, so you would think that he's all in. But actually, a lot of his talent is super young. So even if, you know, he doesn't quite compete the way he hopes to, he could sell off some of those young players and end up in a very similar position as to where you are if he wanted to do that. So he's got a lot of flexibility in that way, even though he doesn't have the chest of picks that you do now. But when I saw this, my first reaction was, holy crap, four firsts and five seconds. That is, that's the biggest draft pick for players trade I've ever seen in my life in any league. And so, you know, I'm trying to break this down. I'm putting this in trade machines and there's really no great way to quantify this trade because it's just a total shift of strategy. It's not even so much about the value in and of itself. It's about saying, I want the number one player in fantasy football, probably a guy who plays 10 to 15 more years. And then, you know, there's some some nice sweeteners. Brandon Ayuk is thought to be a really nice receiver. And then uh, Edwards is, you know, he's got a shot to to be a flex-worthy option, and we'll see maybe he could be something better than that. But, um, you know, obviously Kirk wins the production side of the deal, no question. But from a value perspective, if I'm just trying to look at it from an apples-to-apples perspective, which is hard, again, because it's all players for all picks. Um, I, I like the draft pick side of the trade better, like receiving the draft picks. I think the value is tremendous. Um, if you were ever going to sell Patrick Mahomes, which this is the thing about this maybe is why Patrick Mahomes gets moved around so much. It's impossible for Patrick Mahomes to ever be worth more. <laughs> like he can't possibly be worth more than this. There's there's no asset in dynasty ever that can be worth more than Patrick Mahomes is right now. So 
selling him if you get the premium makes sense. Yeah, I mean, look, I have a theory of Patrick Mahomes, which is if you trade for him, you just can't lose the trade. I mean, yeah, maybe you gave up a lot of assets, but and maybe you lose it in a trade calculator. But at the end of the day, you're Kirkaholic. You have the best player in fantasy football, hands down. And well, you have him for 10, 15 years. So, I mean, there's really no way to lose this trade. And, and I think all you see, you said, the fact is, Mahomes still has his value and he's easily tradable, as we now we're going to see in a couple minutes uh, when we go to the next trade. So you still have that value. And maybe you don't get the exact same amount back, but you have the most dynamic asset in fantasy football that you can hold on even for a couple of years and then trade him and get it back. So look, from my perspective, this trade was exactly what you just said in terms of the switch of strategy, um, feeling like, you know, you have one small foot in the door of competing and, and, you know, squeezing your way into the playoffs, but then one, you know, foot or many feet in the door many. in terms of needing to restructure. So th- my, my theory is, and I think one of the things I didn't realize last year starting fantasy football and, and with the dynasty setting was you got to know what you're doing. Um, you got to know what strategy and what, what you want with your team. And that's maybe one way, Zach, kind of we, we differ a little bit. Um, you know, I know you always are really good in terms of trading for value. And then you kind of worry about lead compass, you know, team composition at a different point. But I, I think with this trade, I was really looking to set my my team strategy going forward. And I, I mean, clearly, <laughs> based on what I did here, there's a strategy. Yeah, no question. May not be a good one, but <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I mean, you know, there's there's lots of different ways to look at it, and and something that I've been trying to implement more and more in the last. And I, I raised a question in the group chat about this maybe a couple weeks ago is how much stock do you put in your league mates kind of being all in or or going for it uh, into your own strategy? Or do you kind of just do what you're going to do and don't really let how the league is playing out impact you so much? And I was in the second boat most of my fantasy football life up until maybe last year. And uh, you and I are in another league, And that league, there's like six guys that sold all their picks (laughs) and are competing startup year one. And, you know, when I drafted, I thought I drafted one of the two to three best rosters in the league. But the problem but the problem is, is that five other guys did the same thing. (laughs) So, you know, I let's just say it's me and the five guys with a shot to win the chip. Well, now I'm at, what does that work out to 17% or 15% or whatever it works out to? Um, You know, I don't want to be that all in with such a small percentage chance to win. And so that is when I started selling off some of my more win now players, obviously in that league, you're all in. And so I sold you Tom Brady and, you know, thank you. We won't, yep. (laughs) We won't talk too much about that league, but like the idea here. I think it's a little more balanced in this league is where there's some guys that are definitely all in, but there's a lot more guys that like maybe have acquired one extra first or have are only missing one first. Like it's, it's very more um, very much more uh, measured uh, for most of the players in this league. And so, uh, you know, when you look at, and we'll discuss this in a moment, rosters like Tim Brady's where, I think he might be a cut above everyone else. Um, Now there's still opportunity for guys to take steps and match him or maybe even surpass him. 
from a roster construction perspective, um, there's daylight to win a championship in this league. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree with you there. I mean, I'll agree with you on Tim, and maybe I'll disagree slightly in terms of who's number one, which we'll get to. But I, I do think you're right in terms of there's not as clear of a, a structure here in terms of um, that no one has any room. Um, and you can even see that if you look at the max points under the standings list, and we can talk about that a little bit later. But um, even some people with good records um, didn't necessarily score as many points as people with lower records. And I think you're really going to see a little bit more of a shakeout. Um, let's jump to the next trade here, which I think is pretty interesting, too, between Cody, one of our newer players, and Kirk. So in this trade, Kirk traded away Patrick Mahomes and CeeDee Lamb and my third, which is going to be super valuable. Um, getting back Herbert Taylor, your first next year, which is going to be incredibly valuable and the 2022nd for D 91. So a very different trade than the other one. This is not, this is where the other trade was star for picks. These are stars for stars. Um, and, and it's, I, I looked at this trade for five minutes before I think I commented on on the uh, on the group chat because I didn't know how to feel about this. I, I mean, I love the trade. I think for both people, um, Taylor is probably my favorite running back. Um, I'm, I'm not as high on Herbert as everyone else, but I understand I'm kind of alone here. Um, but Kirk is, you know, Kirk was able to get back that extra first round pick, that, and I think that pretty much offsets the loss of Lamb and Mahomes. So. I, look, I think I like this for both people. I think I like Kirk's side slightly better. But I think, look, Cody came away with the best player in football. <laughs> and a guy that I think is going to be the top wide receiver in football, in fantasy football, within the next couple of years, once the current slate kind of steps down. Yeah, for me, what was so interesting about this trade is that it just felt like Kirk pulled a first-round pick out of his backside. That's how I felt when I saw the trade. And I'm not trying to beat up on Cody, but like to me, if the trade was just Mahomes and Lamb for Herbert and Taylor straight up, I, I wouldn't have batted an eye at it. I mean, it would have been a really interesting trade, but like that feels super fair value to me. Um, I think that you're probably selling Lamb. Uh, no, you're probably selling Jonathan Taylor. Which side am I looking at here? Sorry about this. Uh, yeah, to need the first round pick included on the Herbert Taylor side. Yeah, I, I that was that was pretty surprising to me. And so, you know, to me, the Herbert Taylor, like two top five guys at their position, probably for the next five to ten years with Herbert, obviously much longer. Um but you and I are big CD Lamb people, and so I don't want to write him off. I just think the price was not like the two players I like the most in this trade. Just liking them, not most valuable. But Mahomes and Lamb are the two guys I really like. But again, I and and we'll talk about this in a minute. I'm super big into value trades, and so um, yeah, I, I this one this one baffled me a little bit. I would say. Well, I'll say this. The one thing I, I think also we got to remember here is Cody has a much different. So Cody and Kirk have similar teams in one concept and they're, they're both young, but Kirk clearly is going for it now. And Cody is a little bit of a longer term. So for Kirk being able to get 
exchanging one dynamic receiver for a dynamic running back, I think is going to allow him in the short term. Cause I think it's pretty clear, you know, Jonathan Taylor is probably, probably going to score more points over the next couple of years. Um, but for Cody, having that dynamic asset in the form of a wide receiver, I think is going to benefit him a little bit more because by the time he's competing, which is probably not this year and maybe not next year, but by 2023, certainly, um, you know, Taylor is going to be in his prime where Lamb is just joining it. So I think there's certainly an argument made for Cody here that it fits his team pretty well. And it also allows Kirk to kind of go all in now, although Kirk is having a little bit of a wide receiver you know, uh, I don't want to say an issue, but he doesn't have those top line wide, wide receivers anymore. Um, but then again, he has that pick next year to make up for it. I, I, I like the trade for both of them. I think it makes sense and I think it fits their team dynamics. But I'm also not into Justin Herbert. So maybe I'm, I'm on the outside of this. <laughs> yeah, I like Herbert. Uh, I just don't feel he's as guaranteed as people feel after one season. So um, I like the talent. I just... I want to see a little more before I crown him, you know, the next Josh Allen or, you know, guy in kind of that range. Um, I'm not, I'm just not there yet. Um, and I, and I worry a little bit about the weapons. I love Keenan Allen. Uh, Mike Williams can never stay healthy. Obviously uh, Hunter Henry just walked out the door and uh, yeah, I, I, I'm just not, I'm not sure. And I, I wish, man, I love Austin Eckler, but that dude can't stay healthy either. So he can't, he's not young anymore either. Yeah. And for a running back like that, look, I mean, they have to have certain assets. There's no doubt about it, but they're, they're not, it's not as dynamic of an offense. I don't think long-term as maybe Patrick Mahomes has. Um, and you also don't know what the coaching situation is going to be there. And I, I think that is something with the young quarterback um, you got to really think about. So look, Herbert's, Herbert's a great player. He's going to be a starter for a really long time, but is he ever going to get into the range of Mahomes or Watson pre, you know, uh, pre issues? Um, I don't know. We're going to wait and see. I, I wouldn't bet on it, but I, I don't think it's a bad bet. Yeah. So let me uh, shift to this trade you did during the draft. And this is uh, when we speak about your team specifically, the number one point that I wrote about your team was I really thought, and we were like messaging each other back and forth during the draft. I really thought that you manipulated the first round of the draft to perfection because you and I had very similar boards just, you know, from talking, we kind of figured that out. And, uh, you know, there were three guys. It was like pick four there was three guys you liked and you had five, six, and seven. And you said, I don't want to lose out on one of these three guys. So you paid up a little bit, but talk to me about how that went down and uh, how you feel about it now. Yeah. You know, I, I'm going to feel better about it because what we're going to talk about in a couple minutes, but this was a hard trade for me. Um, exactly. Like you said, I had a couple, I, I think fields personally is a tier one quarterback on the same tier as, as Lawrence. Uh, yeah, sure, if I had to rank them one and two, I'd put Lawrence one. But I think of them in the same tier. So once Field fell to four, I thought to myself, look, I'm probably going to get Zach Wilson to 107. And that's basically where he went. So if I could jump up to the 104, my question is, how much is that going to cost? Um, and I was willing to overpay. And, and frankly, I, I think, look, Tim got me to overpay. I mean, I think in terms of value, if you look at this up, I mean, you jump up three positions from 107 to 104. Um, effectively, he got my first round pick next year, which is going to be a top two, three pick. 
being generous. Sure. So I, I, I think in this deal, my thought was to go from Zach, forget about the numbers, forget about 104 to 107. It's to go from Zach Wilson to Justin Fields. Would I be willing to trade, um, throw in that, you know, Rattler or Howell or one of your top running backs next year? And I thought about it and I said, yeah, I probably would. I think Fields is that good. So I could be wrong about this, but this is one of those classic situations of you just have to get your guy and you kind of, you know, if you have to overpay, it's not going to be an overpay when Fields is on that same level as like, you know, Watson, Mahomes, Jackson. So this was tough. I mean, the other pieces in here, frankly, I moved from 204 to 206. It's a wash. Mike Davis for a second round pick. I think that's kind of a wash. Um, really what this boils down to is that first round next year and 107 for the 104. Um, I think Tim got great value. I think he made a great trade. Um, but at the end of the day, I think this all comes down to how good Fields is. And I feel pretty good about that bet, but we'll have to see him throw a pass first. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, from Tim's perspective, I do like this trade for him because, you know, he picks up a sneaky flex play at running back who, you know, could start for him in a pinch, no question. I mean, Mike Davis pretty much has that job. I mean, I don't really. I think know. he's. A, I think he's a good flex play next year, not even just a sneaky one. I think he'll be a, a regular starter. Yeah, and you know, from his perspective, you know, he's trying to win the jackpot, so he really wants win now pieces. Uh, Justin Fields is probably not a guy in year one you're excited to start. Um, yeah, there could be moments, there could be flashes, but it's not like the Bears have some elite offense. They've got one very good receiver. And then outside of that, from a receiving perspective, eh. So, and, you know, do we really love Matt Nagy as a coach? Like, I, I personally don't. And so, you know, that's kind of what he gave up. And so from his perspective, win now this year, from – like again, single year right now, Mike Davis <laughs> might be the most valuable 2021 only player in the deal. I think you're a hundred percent correct with that. So, uh, you know, obviously the value end of the portion is, you know, Justin Fields is the best, you know, value in this deal. Almost certainly, you know, again, that pick, which, spoiler, ends up getting returned to you, uh, you know, could have been, could be a top three pick. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Of course, the lottery always, you know, could throw a wrench into things. You never know. Yeah. You know, we didn't talk about the lottery before, but that definitely affects that. You know, in terms of affecting strategy, we spoke about the disbursement draft. I actually think the lottery does more to affect my strategy because I don't know if I would have made this trade if the lottery wasn't there. Right. Because I made the trade knowing that it could have been a one on one pick I was giving up, but I didn't know it was going to be the one on one pick. Yeah. Right now, I, I know that it's going to be the one on one or one on two, um, but it could be the one on four based on the lottery or it could be even be the one on five based on the lottery. Um, and that did affect my strategy a little bit. I, I might have made the trade anyway, but it makes it a little bit easier because, you know, you don't know what pick you're going to get. You don't have that control over it. And it makes you more willing to make the trade. Yeah, no question. So let's let's hop let's follow along the trajectory of this first round pick um, and look at the next trade on here. This is a trade between, and I think we had to highlight this because it was a trade between the two league finalists, Tim Brady and D ninety one. In this trade, 
which happened uh, pretty shortly thereafter, Tim Brady received Tyler Lockett and Derek Henry. Whew. I know. <laughs> That's, <laughs> Again, you just win the league and then you add Derek Henry. Let's let that set in. Trading away Ryan Tannehill. So as a Titans fan, I'm watching when my Titans get traded around. Crowder. My 2022 first round pick and then a 2022 third, which we can put on the side for now. Really, really interesting trade to see the two finalists agree to, you know, see one finalist trading the other, Derrick Henry. Um, But what's going back is draft pick compensation, and we could see what that turns into in a minute. But also Ryan Tannehill, who I think is probably the most underrated quarterback in regular or fantasy football at this point. Um, You got to like this deal from from Tim's perspective. It leaves him a little bit thin at quarterback. But from a going all-in perspective, if his quarterbacks hold up, I mean – you're adding, you know, King Henry in a playoff run. It, it's hard to go wrong here. Plus a thousand yard receiver in Lockett. Yeah, I thought the Lockett to Crowder is going to get glossed over here, but to me, that's a significant upgrade. Definitely. Um, and I like Crowder this year as a again a flex PPR play. But to me, Tyler Lockett can win you four games a year. I mean, he has <laughs> these huge burst 29 to 38 point fantasy days a couple times a year every year and then of course derrick henry he's probably the number two running back in fantasy football you know for for this coming year obviously christian mccaffrey especially in a ppr format has to be number one uh you know it was really interesting to me last year d91 pretty exclusively threw a wide receiver or a running back into his super flex spot. Yes. And I, I just really thought, you know, that goes against conventional wisdom in a super flex. And I thought a couple times it cost him. And I think he kind of looked at it and said, I can get this top three pick potentially. I can get, I mean, Ryan Tannehill has been a top six or seven quarterback in fantasy football for a while now. Especially and the they added, last year. Right. And they teams. added Julio Jones. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so so even if he's only got one or two more years, I mean, that's a huge upgrade for Ryan Tannehill. Uh, A.J. Brown should be healthier. He had surgery on both his knees. Uh, and I think that Derrick Henry will not be quite as good as last year. I don't think that that's – much of a hot take to say. I mean, 2,000 yards comes around, what, once every 10 or 15 years. And so all of that to say, you've got a real chance here where D91 uh, dunks on Tim Brady because, you know, Tyler Lockett could be cold more than he's hot, which we've seen that to be true sometimes. And then at some point, Derrick Henry is going to fall off. Um, might be this year, might be next year. Who knows? Um, Stevie Wonder and I will both agree that it's not going to be this year or next year. So we'll have to wait a couple years for that. <laughs> sure. But um, there's lasting assets here on D91 side. And it was surprising to me because he was so close to a championship to see him sell the super high end running back like Derrick Henry. He must have really loved the value coming back because, I mean, he's right there in the thick of it. And yeah. it was just surprising to me to see him, you know, it's not a complete sell, but it's a, you know, a, a partial sell. Yeah. I think the other two things to consider is D91 has Jones and Kamara in the running back spots. Not, not sure. that Henry in a flex doesn't mean anything, 
but still top end running backs. Um, and by the way, D91 didn't know this at the time, but D91 has Julio. So that's, that's a <laughs> nice little stack going on there. Um, yeah. I, I think though, to kind of see this trade in full circle, we got to look at the next trade. Um, we have over here, which is looking at a trade that D91 made to NGC. So in this trade, D91 received Calvin Ridley in a third and sent away Phelan and, again, my 22 first and a 2022 first of D91s. So D91 was able to take my first round pick, package it with another first round pick and Phelan and get back one of the top six, seven dynasty wide receivers sure. um, to kind of offset the loss of Derrick Henry a little bit. Really interesting to see that strategy. So still going all in. Uh, and I think this is an example of how you can still use draft picks to go all in by you're just using them to store value. So you can make a trade with someone, collect that draft pick, and then package it and sell it. So D91 was able to basically say, all right, I still want to go all in. I'll trade you a valuable piece, get back a valuable draft pick, and then use that draft valuable draft pick and get another high-end win-now piece. Um, interesting to see Thielen go here because Thielen's certainly a win-now player. Um, but look, Calvin Ridley really adds a lot to this roster. So it helps offset the loss of Henry. And now D91 has that high-end quarterback to really give itself a boost to go along with Matt Ryan. Yeah, absolutely. Do you do you have the approximate date of that trade? I'm just curious because I'm looking at his roster and obviously he's got Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones and like what what better scenario could it have been for you if you know Julio Jones has to get traded because I think as a Julio Jones owner you're probably just hoping he stays cuz that's, you know, Atlanta's where he's had his peak value. But if he has to go, obviously Calvin Ridley gets a value bump. And then there's really no second option in Tennessee receiving-wise before Julio Jones shows up. And Josh, so, Reynolds, Josh Reynolds isn't that bad. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I look at the rest of his roster. It's very deep to me. You know, I, I think that he balanced his roster out a little bit here. And and I, I get why he did that to me. You know, I'm I'm all about the value. I like Adam Thielen. Yeah, the trade was by the way June twenty sixth at eight twelve AM. Okay, so that was post It was uh, post, yes. Yeah. Post definitely. Calvin uh post uh Julio Jones trade. Post okay. Julio. So you know man. I'm I'm trying to think. I like Adam Thielen probably more than I ought to. What's Adam Thielen? Thirty-one years old. I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I don't think there's a reason not to like Adam Thielen that much. I mean, the guy catches touchdowns at an incredible rate. Um, I look. I don't know how many years he has left. I think we're happy if he gets one or two at this point. Yeah. But look, well, he's not going to score as much as Ridley next year. But I don't sure. know if the value is that different in terms of next year only. But Ridley's giving you an extra four or five years. Right. So I'll just ask you straight up what your opinion is. Do you think that Calvin Ridley is two first round picks more valuable than no, Adam Thielen? Not at all. Um, yeah. But I do think um, I don't, but I do think he's more valuable this year. And I think he's going to hold a lot of value. I think people are really in on Ridley. Um, so I, I do think that if it gives D91 that advantage this year, um, and D91 can always trade him and recoup most of that value back. Yeah. Um, and I, I do think Thielen is a really risky play. 
Because um, I, I could definitely imagine a situation where he's just a non-factor. He gets injured. He gets old. They have an up-and-coming receiving you know, player in, in Jefferson. So it, it's not clear to me 100% that Thielen is a safe bet. I don't think it's um, a bad move by D91, but it, it certainly is a little bit of an overpay in terms of value. Yeah, yeah, I think we, we pretty well agree there. So let's let's go around the horn here and then finish the story of the 2022 first round pick for Mahar. <laughs> um, so NGC now having this pick um, ends up receiving Gage, Danny Dimes, and Javante Williams. Danny Pennies. <laughs> we'll talk about him later, I'm sure. <laughs> and then sending me back. Finally, my 2022 first round pick and then two second round picks, one in 2023, one in 2024. Really interesting trade. I I actually think even knowing how valuable my first round pick is, I felt like I gave up a lot for this. I know the two second round picks certainly need to be thought of in this deal. Um, I happen to think Javante Williams is the RB1 of the class. I like him better than Harris. I like him better than ETN. And I'm also really high on Danny jo- Daniel Jones. This was painful for me. This was not engaged. It's going to have a great year. This was done after Julio Jones was traded. Um, I think this is a, this was a really tough trade for me to make. But I made this knowing that the pick I was getting was a 102, 103, 104 type of pick. Uh, you know, I, I think we could talk about NGC's team, but I think he added two really valuable players. Um I don't think he lost a lot of value. I'm just going to be honest. I think it was not that off. I don't know if you disagree, but I'm, I'm high on those players. No, I thought the value of this deal, and again, you're keeping in perspective that that first is in all likelihood a top four pick, um, is, is honestly very fair value. I personally just don't like Daniel Jones at all, but I'm not going to Eagles pretend fan. Well, it, it has nothing to do with with that. To be totally honest, I just like I look at the talent, and I thought his first year he came out and did some nice things, and then I've not seen anything, uh, you know. And I probably watch eight Giants games a year. Like I, I haven't seen anything other than some honestly some good rushing ability that he underuses, except <laughs> against the Eagles. I don't know why that is, but um, yeah, like. And then Russell Gage is sneaky. I think he's got a chance to be a quality wide receiver, low end two, high end three. Um, I I love Javante Williams. I really think he's got a shot to be the guy by maybe week five or six. Yep. Uh, and, you know, I'm saying this. I, I think I'm still the Melvin Gordon owner. Am I you still are. the Melvin Gordon owner? <laughs> I'm pretty sure you are. I wanted it. Okay. You know, so I'm, I'm putting my own team on blast here when I say that. So, uh but no, the the value, you know, obviously you're selling off some players, especially in Russell Gage and Daniel Jones, that like they could have decent seasons or they could be not very valuable pretty quickly. And you get a pickback that could be a superstar player. And then you also got a couple second round picks, which are nothing to sneeze at either. So I, I really like to trade up and down uh, for you. Uh, but there's definitely a world here where, you know, Javante Williams takes that job over and you're regretting this trade. There, so. There's a, there's a, 
I expect him to. First of all, let me just say I made this trade expecting it. I think there's a better chance than not that Javante Williams may be the best player in this trade. Now, sure. I made it thinking there's a decent chance that I'm getting the best player, but I, I really think that Javante Williams, probably the plurality here is that he's the best player in this trade. Yeah, yeah, I'm, this is totally possible. Yeah. 